Hey, hello and welcome to uh, this week's message, uh, the final week actually in the series that we've been doing called Help Holy Spirit. And uh, it's been a great uh, seven weeks leading up to this week and today is the eighth week where we've just been talking about the Holy Spirit and, and who the Holy Spirit is, um, how the Holy Spirit was sent uh, to be our helper, to be our advocate, uh, how the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, uh, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's just been really fun and fascinating, really, uh, and very enlightening to see just how often the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are actually functioning together. And uh, we've been talking a lot about that throughout this series. We talked about our desire for the Holy Spirit, that our desire for Him would be greater than our desire for ourselves, our, our selfish desires, our prideful desires, that when we can um, push those things aside and, and just focus in on, on God and what He's done for us, that we would see the fruit of the Spirit lived out in our life. And last week, the message was around the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we each have a gift from the Holy Spirit uh, that he has given us and that you're not devoid of a gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible tells us that we have each been given a gift for us to use um, and in the functioning of the whole body of Christ working together. So if you're fascinated or interested in looking at any of those things, have a look back over the last seven weeks and you'll see the, the full version of those messages. But today, our, our final week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit connects with us in mission. Or I should probably say it the other way around, how we connect with the Holy Spirit in, in mission. In Acts 1.8, uh, the Bible says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those are the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples just before he ascended to heaven, that you will be my witnesses, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and Penrith and, and Cadans and New South Wales to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is on mission and we as the church are also on that very same mission. And there's the Holy Spirit who's in us and is working in us and, and gifting us and empowering us in order for us to be able to live that out and do what we've been given the task of doing, also known as the Great Commission to go into all the world. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. 
This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Peter, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its, as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants where his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Verse 37, it's an interesting verse because many of the earlier manuscripts don't have this verse in there. But just uh, for consistency, I'll read verse 37. It says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The message of the title today is Let's Do It Again. Let's do it again. And we're going to go back through this passage and just pull out some, some of the things that we read, some really key thoughts here that help, will help us and that will equip us to live this life missionally with the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. And the first point I want to bring out is go. Number one, go. In verse 26, we read, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, don't get scared by the word go. I would just encourage you, just begin. Just take that first step. And as we step out in obedience, as we step out in that go, as we just take that first step, you'll be amazed at how much God will use you. Oftentimes when I'm in my car and I'm driving to my next point, whether it's to, to my next workplace or a meeting or whatever I'm doing or wherever I'm going, but particularly first thing in the morning, I'll pray and ask God, God, I want to live sent today. I don't just want to go to work, but I want to actually go. I want to go with the mindset that there might be someone, Lord, that you're telling me to connect with that I'll be having a conversation with. And so I wanna not just go to work, but I wanna go with that sense of, of call. 
And it's really powerful that we live that way. And I, I'll tell you a story later on where uh, one of many that I could tell where I actually got to um, have, a, have a really powerful chat with somebody. But Philip was just an ordinary man who stepped out, started out with that step of faith to go. Point number two, obey and listen. Verse 29, a few verses down, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, one of my concerns used to be, what if God says something to me and I don't hear what he's saying? But my bigger concern now, more than that, is that when I do hear him speak, what if I don't do it? I want to live that obedient life. I don't want to miss out on living the life that I could be living because I don't do what God asks me to do. Obey and listen. Go, take that first step and then listen to what God will say next. God knows how to speak to you so that you will hear him. God knows how to get your attention. We just need to take the time and open our hearts to him and be open to what he says and listen for his voice. Number three, start a conversation. Number one was go. Number two, obey and listen. Number three, start a conversation. Verse 30, we read, Then Peter ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the prophet, Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. This is just a really practical point. Most people are not going to come up to us and say, what must I do to be saved? I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It hasn't really ever happened to me. But to start a conversation, to talk with someone, say, hey, how's your day going? What's, what's the week been like? Opening up a conversation, inviting the person to talk about themselves. Everyone loves talking about themselves. But, but to genuinely connect with someone and ask a conversation, have a conversation, ask some questions and be genuine in your, in your wanting to connect with them and just listen and see where the conversation goes. Start that conversation. I've, I've learned that 99% of people are willing to have a conversation with a friendly stranger. And I would... I didn't read that statistic anywhere. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of strangers and it's very, very rare that someone's ever turned away a friendly stranger from a conversation. If, even if it's just as simple as, hey, how you doing? How's your day? Something like that. Start the conversation. Number four, point to Jesus. Point that conversation to Jesus. Verse 35 then Philip began with that very passage of scripture that the eunuch had been reading and told him the good news about Jesus. The Message Bible uses these words, Philip grabbed his chance to preach Jesus. Philip could have just explained the passage to the Ethiopian, maybe done a little bit of an expository uh, dissection of, of those words in Isaiah but Philip saw an opportunity to actually share the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. 
And we may feel that pointing the conversation to Jesus is something that is not very easy to do. But let's have a closer look because I want us to see that the Holy Spirit is actually the one who's orchestrating all of this. All of it. It's actually the Holy Spirit who is doing this work. Sometimes we feel like we're the ones that are having to initiate, that we're the ones having to take the step, that we're the ones that have to stir the courage to say something. But we're about to see that it's actually the Holy Spirit who's actually working before we even got started. In verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then later on, we will read when we read verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The Holy Spirit was directing Philip from start to finish. And as the Holy Spirit was with Philip, the same Holy Spirit is with you. It's the Holy Spirit who is orchestrating these encounters, these these conversations, the conversations that you're going to have and the conversations, if you look back, the conversations that you have had where you realize that, that God was the one that was bringing those conversations to happen. And because of that, how confident can we be? How much more faith-filled can we be rather than going timidly wondering whether God's going to bless this conversation or this encounter, but actually going into those into those moments knowing that he has. It makes a massive difference. Number five, evangelize. What does it mean to evangelize? What exactly is evangelism? Well, I'll share it really simply. It's showing and sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus. It's that easy. Evangelism, it's just sharing, showing and sharing the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. We don't have to convince. We we don't have to get into arguments. In fact, it's better that we don't. If we can just get into that mode of knowing how to, to talk about the gospel, talk about the good news, of Jesus and then let the gospel do its work. That's evangelism. It doesn't have to be someone standing up on a street corner trying to, to preach to a crowd of people that are just walking backwards and forwards and going about their day or it doesn't have to be about going up to random people's doors and knocking on doors and saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus today. You can do those things. Uh, and that might be great. But for most of us, that's not where we're at. And that's not who we are. But evangelism, evangelizing, is just taking the opportunity in the conversations that we're in to share the good news, to talk about Jesus, to talk about what he's done in your life and how he's made a difference. Evangelism is declaring God's desire to have relationship with every person and what he did in order for us to have that relationship. Evangelism is proclaiming the life that you now live in Jesus Christ. He's the God of love to the unloved. He's the Prince of Peace to the restless. He's the Savior of those who can't save themselves. He's the Redeemer of those separated by sin. 
He's the rescuer of those bound by addiction. He's the God of second chances to the fallen down. He's the God of third chances to the broken down. And he's the God of amazing grace to those with no chances left. He's the God of life to those who have no joy. He's the hope of humanity. He's the acceptor of the rejected. He's the comforter to those who are hurting. He's the provider to the least. He's the restorer to the last. He's the seeker of the lost. He's the friend of the lonely. He is the way for the wayward. He is the truth for the deceived. And he is the life for the lifeless. And that is who we get to proclaim. So that we so that we might as well be bold about it, knowing that it is Jesus. All those things that I just read, knowing that it is Jesus that we get to proclaim, that we get to share about, who we get to talk about with people. That's evangelism, that we would be so passionate about Christ and what he's done for us that we can't help but tell other people about him. Number five was evangelism. We need to bring Jesus to their situation. So let's look at evangelism in what Philip did here, because it's really interesting. I learned when I was studying this text that the Ethiopian eunuchs were not actually eunuchs by choice. This man was most likely selected and then subjected to a most horrific procedure so that he would be safe to serve the queen of Ethiopia. And I won't go into uh, what that would have what would have happened. And if you understand the term Munich, you will know what happened to him. And it wasn't voluntary. He was subjected to it. He was selected for it, and then he was subjected to it. Now, knowing that he's been through that, let's go back to read what he was reading, because he was reading these words that this is the passage of scripture, which is actually quoted from Isaiah 53, verses seven to eight. This is what he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. See, the eunuch's reading this passage and he's seeing himself in this passage. The the eunuch was led like a a lamb. He had no choice. The eunuch was forced to endure intense pain. The eunuch suffered horrible humiliation. Justice was denied him. Who can describe his generations? He can no longer have any generations following on from him. No children, no life now beyond his own. So in verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. No wonder he asked Philip about this passage. He saw himself in it. He saw someone, he read about someone who can relate to what he's going through and what he had been through. He saw someone he could relate to. And while the Holy Spirit is directing Philip 
to the Ethiopian eunuch. I love this picture that the that Holy Spirit said, Philip, I want you to go and talk to this Ethiopian eunuch. At the very same time, the Holy Spirit is directing this Ethiopian man to the passage in Isaiah. And here's the Ethiopian man reading Isaiah and here's Philip being directed by the Holy Spirit. And there's this amazing encounter together. The Holy Spirit orchestrates that. And that's why when we go to evangelize, we, we think it's about us and, and about our ability, but we, just, we need to know that the Holy Spirit is actually already working for us and before us and setting up these amazing moments where we can have these kind of conversations and, and share the good news and share the gospel with others. The last point today, let's do it again and again and again and again. After sharing the gospel of Jesus and baptizing the eunuch, we read this in verse 40. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So what did he do after the Ethiopian eunuch that he just witnessed to? He just kept doing it. He just went to all the other towns, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. He didn't stop. He went again and again and again. And now my encouragement to us today is that let, let us do that again. Let, let's do it again and do it again. Let's not let the last testimony of talking to someone about Jesus be from 20 years ago. But what if it was from two days ago? that we had the opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. And then tomorrow, or then the day after that, well, we're praying and we're believing and we're trusting the Holy Spirit that he will lead us to go and, and, and talk with someone else. This is the mission that we are on as a church, to show and share the love of Christ, to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus to others. And we don't stop until Jesus comes back, right? We it's not like we, we, we've done enough and then we just remove ourselves from interacting with the community, with our city. No, we keep, we keep going. This is the mission of the church, to preach the gospel. And I just want to say to you, don't believe the lie that you can't do it. You can do it. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you do, then you can do this. All of us can do this. All of us can have a conversation with someone about, about Jesus. We read this passage and I always assumed that it was about the apostle Philip, like the one that Jesus called to be his disciple, uh, the one who'd spent three years with Jesus, this Philip, um, who introduced the disciple Nathaniel to, to Jesus. Uh, the, the Philip being the one that Jesus told, uh, you feed the 5,000 people. I always thought when I read this that it was that Philip, but there's actually another Philip that we read about. And we meet this Philip in Acts chapter 6. And if you remember, there was a lot of things going on. The church was exploding. And it got to the point where the apostles 
couldn't keep doing everything. They couldn't do all the, the praying, the preaching, the teaching, all the things that they were doing, as well as serving everybody. So they realized that they had to elect some people to, to serve tables, literally to serve people food. And there were seven people that were selected. And one of them was Stephen. And we know Stephen very well. He's the first martyr. But one of the other seven was Philip. This Philip that we've just been talking about. This Philip who listened to the Holy Spirit. This Philip who went and spoke to the Ethiopian man. It wasn't the Apostle Philip who we would expect, right? To be the one that's full of courage and and faith and boldness and he would go up to anyone and preach the, the gospel. No, this was a different Philip. This was the Philip who was waiting on tables. This is the Philip who had been given the task of serving food. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we, we don't have to be megastar Christians. Not that I know any. Um, maybe those early apostles, I, could, I would, might say that about them. They wouldn't say that about themselves. But I look at this Philip, this Philip that went to the Ethiopian, the Philip who was selected to serve tables and, and serve food to people, who was just an ordinary guy. And I look at that and go, if, if that Philip who's an ordinary guy can, can do that, then the, the example is there for us all, that we can do it too that we can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and that we can go and do what he says and that we can go and have a conversation with someone. We can point people to Christ. We can evangelize, that we can do all these things, that we can go and go and let's go and do it again because none of us are superstar Christians. We're ordinary people, but with an extraordinary God with an extraordinary Holy Spirit who is the one who's orchestrating all these things. So the points that we went through today, go, obey and listen, start a conversation, point to Jesus, evangelize, and let's do it again. Now, if we take the first letter from each of these lessons Today, we get the key to it all, and it spells this, gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, first to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. This is also the ministry of the Holy Spirit, not that he would just dwell in us and help us and comfort us and gift us, but he would direct us and lead us and empower us to reach others with the gospel. It is the gospel that is the power of God, the salvation. And it is the gospel that when it goes, it's the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit moving. It's him connecting. It's him orchestrating and bringing people together to have conversations. It's the Holy Spirit that's in us to help us to proclaim the gospel. So what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch? Do we know? Well, early church historians suggest that it was actually this eunuch that first brought the gospel into Ethiopia. 
those 2,000 years ago. Now, 2,000 years later, there are more than 63 million Christians in Ethiopia. What an incredible spark. What an incredible beginning. If that's how it happened, and it seems to be the case of one ordinary man called Philip going and having a conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch. I mentioned before that I wanted to share, uh, I guess, an example and uh, about having a conversation with somebody. And I was sitting in a Starbucks cafe in, uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and I got my coffee, I had my laptop, and I was getting ready to, to sit down at the table and do some work there in the coffee shop. And I see this lady pull up outside, and I say pull up because she had a shopping trolley. She wasn't in a car, she had a shopping trolley. And it looked like every single one of her belongings was in that trolley. Uh, she was homeless. And she just come in to Starbucks to, to get a, a free ice water and to get out of the heat and sit in the air conditioning for a bit. And I'm torn in this moment because I'm thinking I need to get and do my work. But then I also felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, go and have a conversation. So thankfully, the Holy Spirit won that little inner argument that was going on. And I went over and I started to chat to this lady. And um, we started talking about where she'd been and that her boyfriend was now in jail. And from what she told me, he needed to be in jail. And she started to tell me about her life and disaster after disaster after disaster. And now she's homeless. Now she's living on the streets, pushing a shopping trolley with everything that she owns in it. And not that it's worth much monetarily wise. And my eye just had compassion for this lady. Her name was Tammy. And I started to tell Tammy about Jesus. And I started to tell Tammy that even in those moments where she has been by herself and so alone, that God has been watching over her, that God has been there with her, that he has seen every tear that she's cried. And I started to talk about what Jesus had done for her. And then I got to the point where I said, Tammy, can I pray for you? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Do you want to give your life to Christ? And, and tears streaming down her face, she said yes. So right there in Starbucks, people everywhere, Scott and a homeless lady called Tammy, we prayed and she accepted Christ to be the Lord and Saviour of her life, to be her best friend. If I hadn't have just, I mean, it's so easy, right? It's so easy to, to turn a, a blind eye sometimes and just to go about our way. I'm so glad I didn't that day. If we'll just go with a sense that we're going and that if we can obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
If we can start a conversation with somebody and point that conversation to Jesus and evangelize, bring people to a knowledge of the gospel. And then let's do it again. And let's do it again. The Holy Spirit wants to use you and me to reach a lost world for Jesus. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We need him. But thankfully, he's all we need to do it. He's the one that will orchestrate it all. He's the one that will empower us to do it. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for this message today. I thank you for this example of Philip. I pray that you would use this example today to stir us, Lord, stir our hearts. Lord, to not just have the Holy Spirit living in us for our own comfort and for our own strength and for all our own stuff. But Lord, that we would know that the Holy Spirit is in us for those things, but also to mobilize us, to also to send us, also to use us to reach a lost world with the gospel. May we never be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God to salvation. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you can use us. We ask you to use us even today, Lord. Would you use us? We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. God bless you. Bye-bye.